Hello, thanks for tuning in to the West Side Podcast. This is where we're going to be posting some of the audio from our gatherings on Sundays, and we're hoping to develop some other content that we're excited to share with you in the future. West Side's vision is to reconcile people to God through the grace of Jesus, step by step. And we really hope that this podcast helps you do just that. We hope it helps you get closer to Jesus. We hope that you would be reconciled to God and not only that, be reconciled to the relationships around you and to the city that you live in, wherever that happens to be. Again, thanks for tuning in and enjoy. Cool. Well, uh, as uh, as I said, we're, we're, we've decided um, for a couple months now, we've been saying the Lord's Prayer at the end of every service. Every time we, we leave, um, right before I send you off, we say the Lord's Prayer together. And then I say, go and be the hands and feet of Jesus. That's kind of like our, our benediction. And uh, because we're saying the Lord's Prayer, I thought it would be good if we just take, took a couple weeks and we talked about just why, why, why say the Lord's Prayer? I mean, what Let's get into some of those words because we would hate it for just to be something we recite and just something we do and not kind of get to the meat of it. That would be, that would be sad. That would be a shame. And so that's why we're taking a couple of weeks looking at the Lord's Prayer. And uh, I know that many of us for, are familiar with it. In fact, it might be one of the verses that you uh, have memorized. Uh, I don't know what kind of home you grew, grew up in, but you know, even if you weren't even that, a Christian home, you probably heard the Lord's Prayer enough to where you could say it if somebody asked you to say it. Um, um, and so, but, but before, I go, before I get into that, we're going to do a little social experiment, okay? I've done this in the past, but it was like six years ago since I've done this, and so I still feel, I feel like I can bring it around again, all right? Six years isn't too soon, right? Um, so a little social experiment. Um, I grew up watching a lot of television, okay? Um, if my parents are watching, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm okay. You didn't scar me. I didn't watch too much, all right? But I did watch a lot of television. And for those of you that are, uh, that are my age and up, for if you're younger, and I don't know how many younger people in there, uh, you need to know something. When we watched TV, there used to be these things called commercials, we had, we had lots of commercials. And nowadays you can find ways to skip around the commercials. But when we grew up, we had lots of commercials. I'm just going to try a little social experiment. We'll see if this works, okay? Let's see if this works. The best part of waking up. Oh, this is going to be great tonight. I have, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. Uh, what about this? Oh, I wish I was a... I don't want to grow up. Oh, you guys are great. This is awesome. Like a good neighbor. Nationwide is. We are farmers. What's on your list today? You'll find it. Okay, okay, Fred Meyer. All right, that, maybe that one wasn't as strong as the other ones. Yeah, you'll find it at Fred Meyer. Come on, people. Get, try this one. This one's old school. Give me a break. Give me a break. Break me off. All right, all right. Last one, last one. What would you do for a... Yes! Hey, isn't this weird? Isn't this so weird? How we just like, we, it's... Here's the point of me doing this silly social experiment with all of us is I have been shaped by so much media in my life. Um, I'm ashamed to say that I probably know more 90s rap music by heart than I do scripture, all right? I'm just, like, I'm just acknowledging to you it's a problem that I'm working hard to try to rectify. But I have been, I have been shaped 
by so many things. And you have too. All of us are formed deeply by things. It's crazy that I can just give you the first line of some of these commercials. And it's like, it's in us. You just, you just, it's just right there, you know? And, and here's what it means to follow Jesus, though, is when you choose to follow Jesus, you're choosing to make a, a, a huge decision. This is going to be the biggest decision that any of us make in our lives. And that decision is to choose to be formed, not by, be formed most deeply, not by anything else in the world except for the radical way of Jesus. That we are choosing to say, I want my life to be formed most deeply, most thoroughly to the identity level the thing that I'm choosing to be that thing that forms me is the radical way of Jesus. There's all sorts of things that are trying to form you and shape you, but the Christian says that it's going to be the radical way of Jesus that I'm going to give my life to. That's gonna be the thing that I'm choosing to, to, to put, make my allegiance because there's lots of kingdoms on this earth that are gonna to want to try to get you to pledge your allegiance to that kingdom, whatever that kingdom is. It might be a political kingdom. It might be just a kingdom of, of your own interests and your own self. There's all sorts of kingdoms out there that are just trying to get you to pledge your allegiance to it. But the Christian says, the only thing that I'm going to give my life to, that I'm truly going to pledge allegiance to, is the radical kingdom of God. The radical kingdom of God. Um, how, how, are you, how are we shaped and formed by things? Well, the social experiment that I just did with you reveals one of the things that we're shaped by most. It's repetition. Repetition. Repetition, habit, is one of the things that shapes us so, so, so much. That's one of the reasons why we can all say those commercials is because it's just been ingrained in us over and over and over and over again. And sometimes in Christianity, we're afraid of doing these things over and over and over again because it feels like religion. It feels like, oh, we're just going through the motions. But, but, Repetition is a beautiful tool that God wants to use to shape us and form us. This is one of the reasons why we are choosing to say the Lord's Prayer every time we gather over and over and over and over and over again um, because repetition practices, they form us. Here's a quote by James K.A. Smith from a really great book called You Are What You Love. He says this, he says, there is no formation without repetition. Virtue formation takes practice, and there is no practice that isn't repetitive. We willingly embrace repetition as a, as a good in all kinds of other sectors in our lives, to hone our golf swing, our piano prowess, our mathematical abilities, for example. But if the, if the sovereign Lord has created us as creatures of habit, then why should we think repetition is amicable to our spiritual growth? I had to look up amicable because I didn't even know what that word was. <laughs> it, but it means like, it means that why would we think that, that repetition would be like a force against our spiritual growth? No, repetition is a force for our spiritual growth. Repetition is important. So as we come to the Lord's Prayer, this is kind of like this key phrase that I've said for weeks now, is that the Lord's Prayer is formational. It's not a formula. It's formational. It's not a formula. This isn't supposed to be a prayer that Jesus said, hey, pray this, and if you pray this, magical things will happen. You know, like, just pray this, and it'll be like a formula. That's not why he gave it to us. He gave us this prayer because he knows how formative it is, because he knows how it forms us. When you say these words over and over again, it gets in you. It gets in you. 
And that's what he wants for us. And so that's why we're saying the Lord's Prayer over and over again. So we started off this sermon series. It talked about how Jesus had some really offensive things to say before the Lord's Prayer. He was calling out religious Pharisees and religious kind of vague spirituality people. And he says, no, that's, don't learn how to pray from religious people. Don't learn how to pray from vague spiritual people. Um, and we said this, the goal for the Christian isn't that we're spiritual, it's that we're spirit-filled, just so you know. That's our goal. But Jesus says, don't learn how to pray from them. And then last week, if you were here, Joel did a great job of just taking us through that first few lines of our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's a paradigm shift that we get to address him as Father. And if you missed that, you can watch it um, online um, uh, some other time. But uh, today, I just want us to look with fresh eyes at just these next few these next few lines of the Lord's Prayer. Very familiar to us, but let's, can we look with some fresh eyes? Just a couple of observations. Uh, let's read it. This is Matthew chapter six, starting, in, uh, this is just verse nine and 10. It says this, this then, this is Jesus speaking, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, even as it is in heaven. A couple of things. It's just one thing I want you to notice. First off, do you notice that this prayer doesn't start with any asking for my stuff? You notice that this whole prayer doesn't ask with any, it doesn't start with me. It starts with him. And I think this is really key for me because I think a lot of times if you looked at my prayers and if I have a suspicion that if I looked at some of your prayers and it's not that we're like praying wrong necessarily, but this is just a good encouragement that I'm giving myself and to you today. If we looked at our prayers, you know what probably we would see? We would probably say a very quick, Lord, you're great, you're awesome, and so, but now let's get to my stuff. Lord, you're great and awesome, but here's my need. Lord, you're great and awesome, thank you, but here's what I really need you to do for me today. And there's nothing wrong with us asking the Lord to do stuff for us. I mean, there's nothing wrong with us to present our request to the Lord, all right? Um, the prayer is gonna get there a little bit later. But do you notice the very first lines of the prayer, has not, it's not about me, who's it about? It's about him, it's all about him, it's not about me. And this is really, really, really key for us to, to clue into because if we don't clue into it, here's what we'll tend to do is we'll tend to do, we'll tend to approach prayer like we're buttering God up, like with the nice things that we say about him so that then we can like get to the stuff that we, we want him to do for us, right? For those of you that have kids in the room um, and, and you know, if you had kids in the past, you know what this is like because I've got four kids and I know, I know when one of my kids is approaching me and they have something that they want me to do for them. It's like a formula. I just, I can see it coming from a mile away. They come up to me and they're like, dad, dad you're, such, you're such a great pastor, dad. You're just so great. You're just, you're just so kind and benevolent and wonderful. Dad, I just, I just so appreciate you. And, and as I'm hearing them talk this way, I'm, I'm thinking, all right, what do they want? <laughs> what do they want? They're buttering me up, you know, because they're usually not this encouraging um, if they, if, unless they want something from me, right? We've all had this experience. We've all done this to other people, right? We've done this to our bosses. We've done this to our parents. I mean, all of us, we have a tendency to, if I want something, I, you, you know what it's like. It's the, it's the compliment sandwich. It's like, it's like start with a compliment, ask for what you want, and then, you know, finish it up with something positive. If you do the compliment sandwich, you're probably, you have a higher chance of getting the thing that you want in the middle, right? We all know, we all know. But if we don't 
Look at this Lord's Prayer. And if we don't acknowledge that there's something in us that will do that to our Heavenly Father, we, we run the risk. We run the risk of approaching prayer and doing this. Using prayer. Using prayer. Not to get God's, not to align my will with God's kingdom, but try to align God's kingdom with the kingdom of Brooks, with the kingdom of self. And what I'll end up doing is I'll end up praising him and thanking him and saying all the stuff that I think I'm supposed to say in a prayer. But really what I'm trying to do is twist his arm just enough to try to get him to get on my agenda instead of me getting myself and my heart and my life onto his agenda. And do you see the big problem with that? The big problem then is that we become religious Pharisees. We become religious uh, 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 hypocrites where now I'm just, I'm just trying to, I'm sure I'm coming to God, but I'm not really coming to God to get God. I'm coming to God to get his stuff. I'm coming to God to get him to do what I want him to do. And I'm using prayer to do that. I could use my good works to do that. People are really good at just trying to, trying to control God to get him to, to jump on board with Project Brooks. And that, friends, just God will refuse to do. He won't do it. He won't do it for me. He won't do it for you. He will listen to those prayers and he says, listen, the only way, the only way that like, things are going to get made right is if you come to me and if you start by saying, God, thy will be done. Thy will, not my will be done. God, thy will be done. God, I've got a couple things I need to ask for here in a second. I've got some, some, some things that are, that are really hard right now. I've got some, some requests that I have for you, God. But God, before I even get to that stuff, Lord, I, I first and foremost, I'm not here to get stuff from you. I'm here to align my heart with yours. I'm here to align my will with yours because I recognize, God, that my, my, me trying to build my kingdom, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I don't even know what kind of kingdom I'm building. I am ill-equipped to build my own kingdom. And so, Lord, I want to live in your kingdom. I want to be surrendered to your kingdom. So before we get to my request, God, I just want to say, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth and in my heart as it is in heaven. That's what he wants. He wants your heart. And if you can get your life in alignment with, with his kingdom, then that's that's the thing that ultimately then becomes the driving force. It will change what you start to pray for. It'll change how you ask for things. And I feel like if we don't miss that in the Lord's Prayer, then we could set ourselves up for uh, just praying prayers and really just using those prayers to just get God to be on my agenda instead of me get on his agenda. Um, this is the crux of prayer. I said it already, but if you're taking notes, it's on the screen. Instead of asking God for my will to be done, Prayer begins by asking God to transform my heart so that my will is formed by his. My will is formed by his. Not my kingdom, but your kingdom. Uh, there's a couple reasons why this is so uncomfortable for us to do. A couple reasons. There's a lot of reasons. I've just got two reasons why this is so uncomfortable for us to do. Number one is this. is the idea, This idea that it, your kingdom, not my kingdom, it goes right into the teeth of our very culture that we're in. It goes right into the teeth of our culture. Because um, in American culture, we have these sort of agreed upon and understandable self-evident truths. Everyone knows them. You dare not challenge them. And one of the things, these self-evident truths as Americans is nobody's going to tell me what to do because I'm an American. Nobody tells me what to do, right? I am the captain of my own ship. 
I don't need anybody to tell me what to do. I'm going to do my own thing. It's, you know, it's that self-reliant, it's that independent, you know, spirit that us, that it's, it's a part of our culture. It's ingrained in us. And so, it, so to say, not my will, but your will, not my kingdom, but your kingdom, that is counter-cultural. That is a contrast culture in the midst of a culture that says, hey, you, if you're going to be happy, then you need to follow your own truth. If you're going to be happy, then you need to follow your own heart. If you're going to be happy, then you can't have anybody tell you that you're wrong. If you're going to be happy, then you can't, you can't say no to any urge urges or desires that you have, self-denial, oh no, in our culture, self-denial is unhealthy. Don't do that. That's not healthy for you to, to do. But in kingdom culture, in God's culture, it's this crazy statement that we make that not my kingdom, not my emotions, not my feelings, even though those are important and I listen to those and I take those into account, but God, God ultimately, it's your kingdom. The other reason why this is so hard for us is that we like to feel like we're in control of everything. Don't we? We love control. In fact, I think control is one of the world's biggest idols. The Bible warns us of idolatry. And sometimes when we read those passages, we're like, yeah, but I don't bow down to any like idols in my house. You know, like that's weird. Like, is there, is there idolatry in our, you know, like in my world, God? And I think control is one of the biggest idols that we all bow down to the most. I've got to be in control. I've got to control outcomes. I got to know what's around the bend. If something's uncomfortable, I got to fix it. And so we don't like giving up control. We don't like saying, Lord, it's your kingdom, not my kingdom. It is so hard for us, isn't it? I need like an amen or I heard a yes. Thank you. We're in church. So I just, I feel like it, it just is. This is one of the biggest things for us that we wrestle with. And, oh, can I say this too? Isn't it exhausting? It is so exhausting just trying to be in control of everything. It just kills us, doesn't it? It just kills us. It kills me. Trying to control what everybody thinks about me, trying to control what people think about our church, trying to control what's going to happen later today and tomorrow, and this situation and that situation, it's exhausting. I think we all feel it. We all feel it. I think part of the problem is because we just, we're just trying to, in a lot of ways, we're just trying to build our own kingdom. I'm just trying to build it with our effort, with our work. If I can just get to this place, then I've made it. If I could just make this much, then I'll be happy. If I could just get into this house, then things will be good. If I could just marry this person, then I'll be fine. If I could just, if I could just, if I could just, if I could just, we just think if we could just, just control enough things to get there, then we'll be okay. And it, it's never okay. We always get there and we discover that there's still so much that we don't control. And so in this prayer. God wants us to pray. Hey, it's like God saying, hey, will, will you just, will you let these words form you? Because there's going to be something in you. There's going to be something in your heart that wants to control everything. And so I'm just asking you to pray and pray it over and over again so that it gets in you. Not my will, but your will be done. Not my kingdom, but your kingdom. It's a powerful, powerful statement that the Lord wants us to make. There's a great quote from Dallas Willard, this book I'm, I'm reading. I've read it in the past, Renovation of the Heart, but Dallas Willard says it's so great. He says this, the impotence of political and social systems to bring about real change is one of the reasons Jesus didn't send his students out to start governments or even churches as we know them today. These organizations inevitably convey some elements of a human system. 
Instead, his disciples were to establish beachheads of his person, word, and power in the midst of a failing and futile humanity. They were to bring the presence of the kingdom and its king into every corner of human life by fully living in the kingdom with him. So good. Um, I just want to remind you tonight, and it's something that we forget, but we're so inundated with this kingdom. The Bible calls it like the world or man's kingdom or that's what the Bible calls it. But we're so inundated with just the values, what makes, what makes a successful person, what's going to make you happy. The world just di- defines that stuff for us. What's, what's masculinity? What's femininity? Like everything. The world just defines all these things for us. And if we're not careful, we will just bite into those things, hook, hook line, and sinker, and just let it, and let it form us. Just like we know that Folgers isn't the best thing to have in your cup in the morning, all right? It's just not. That is not the best part of waking up, all right? I promise you. Don't do it. There's so many better options. And what we will do is we'll just, we'll believe that, oh, this is what success is. This is what happiness is. This is what it means to be a human being. And we're just being lied to left and right because it sells products. Because it's, it's good industry. It's not the heart of God for us. And the heart of God looks at you and looks at me and says, I love you so much. Will you just trust me? I want to define these things for you because I've got something better for you. My kingdom is better than your kingdom. My kingdom will bring be- better results. Whatever, however we want to, however, the Lord's going to define results better than we do. But he says, my kingdom's better than your kingdom. And can we just trust him with that? And, but what Jesus did for us on the cross and what Jesus did when he rose from the dead is he, and theologians write so much about this, but what Jesus is doing is he's, it's like he's, he's bringing the kingdom He's bringing the kingdom in that moment. People talk about, theologians talk about how the kingdom, this this kingdom that Jesus talked about, it's an already but not yet kingdom. So it's already here. Like the kingdom's here. Jesus is alive and he has given us the Holy Spirit so that we can, and we can do kingdom things on this planet. That we can bring healing, and we can bring wholeness, and we can bring wellness. I mean, this is, this is the, the mission that Jesus was, uh, was about, that he wants us to be about. We get to bring his kingdom because his kingdom is here. And yet, and yet, his kingdom is also not yet. It's not fully here. That's why people die. That's why people get sick. That's why hard things happen. That's why there's hurricanes and why there's floods and why there's just things in this world that are so hard that we can't explain. It's because the kingdom is not yet fully here. And so we are living in the middle as his hands and feet. You've been adopted into a new kingdom. Do you know that? Do you know that? If you have surrendered your life to Jesus, then you are a part of a new humanity a new kingdom. You have a new king and he's called you to something so much different and so much better. So much better than the things that the kingdoms of this world have to offer. Do you believe that? With just the last few minutes of my time here, I I wrote down just, there's so many more than six. I wrote down six, six distinctives between our old kingdom, that's, like just, that's just how the world would define our happiness and success and what really matters, and against God's kingdom, this kingdom that you and I have been adopted into as sons and daughters. Here's a couple, I'll just read them to you. First of all, this is our old kingdom trusts in the power of the sword while the kingdom of God trusts in the power of the cross. 
Our old kingdom is gonna try to lord over people. That's how our old kingdom works. Even Jesus' disciples were like, hey, how do you want us to exercise authority? And Jesus says, you know what? The rest of the world does it this way, but not so with you. For you, I want you to use your authority in a different sort of way. Not the sword, but with the cross. Number two, our old kingdom seeks, seeks to control outward behavior, while the kingdom of God seeks to transform lives and institutions from the inside out. Number three, our old kingdom is centered on preserving and advancing our self-interests and our own will, while the kingdom of God is rooted exclusively on carrying out God's will, even if that, this requires sacrificing our own interests, even if it requires self-denial. Our new kingdom says, hey, come and die. And if you come and die, I will give you life. I will give you life. It's a promise that the Lord makes to us. Number four, our old kingdom is, a self, is selfish in nature and is heavily invested in defending and advancing our own people group or our own nation, our own ethnicity, our own ideologies, or our own political agenda. That is why it's, this is why it's a, it's a kingdom characterized by perpetual conflict, always conflict. But the kingdom of God, however, creates a new kind of humanity where our differences are celebrated, where grace abounds, and where people of different races, tribes, and political parties are brothers and sisters. That's what the kingdom of God creates. Number five, our old kingdom creates enemies by demanding retaliation and revenge. If you hurt me, then I hurt you, it says. But the kingdom of God creates a different people because at the center of this kingdom is a man who hung from a cross and conquered by dying for his enemies, saying this, saying, Father, forgive them because they know not what they do. Instead of retaliating, he entrusted his life to him who judges justly. Creates a new kind of person where grace and forgiveness becomes the driving force instead of retaliation and retribution and revenge. Number six, our old kingdom believes that life's struggles can be overcome by trying harder, believing in ourselves and getting more. While the kingdom of God invites us to enter into the finished work of Jesus, trust him surrender to his lordship, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then join him in reconciling the world as renewed image bearers and ambassadors. It's just a different story altogether. It's a different narrative. Listen, if you don't choose to put this kingdom at the center of your life, if you don't choose to let this kingdom be the thing that forms you the most, if you don't actively choose it, then you will be formed by the ways of the rest of the world. You just will. Because you don't have a choice. I don't have a choice. We will be formed by something. We will worship something. We will give our lives to something. That's what the book of Romans says. Romans chapter one, it says, it says that we will either worship the creator or created things. Those are our two choices. You will either worship the creator or created things. And if you worship created things, then it diminishes our humanity. If you worship the creator, it brings our humanity up into a new kind of humanity, into a new kingdom. That's what Paul's saying in Romans chapter one. You will be formed by something. If you don't choose to be formed by the kingdom of God, then you will be formed by the kingdom of this world and it will be exhausting. It'll be hard. 
The kingdom of God is hard. The kingdom of God requires something from us. But guys, in the kingdom of God, there's rest. In the kingdom of God, there's hope. In the kingdom of God, you get a new future. You get a new identity. You get a new family. Everything becomes new in the new kingdom. That's what Jesus has invited you into. I just, two questions, and actually, can I have the band come up? And we're gonna respond tonight. Um, Two questions I had at the end here. First question is this, is what if, what, if we could, what if we could pray this way? Those verses from the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What if, what if we could pray this way where every time we just come to the Lord, we might not say those exact words, although those exact words are formative, that's why we're going to continue to say them. But what if, what if we could pray this way? I mean, what would happen in your heart? What would happen in my heart? What would happen in just, what if, what if the three billion, I don't know if there's that many Christians in the world, but say that there were three billion like, like real authentic Christians in the world. What if three billion Christians would just come to the Lord and would say, Father, I am really good at building my own kingdom. And God, I recognize that my kingdom is faulty. My kingdom is inevitably gonna be just tainted by my sinfulness and my humanity. And Lord, I've got requests that I wanna bring you, but Lord, what I really want at the end of the day, Lord, I want my heart to be transformed. I want you to saturate me with your grace. I wanna be, I just wanna be so filled with your grace that just the very essence of my identity is changed. And so, Lord, before I get to praying for the stuff that I want to pray for, God, I pray, would your kingdom come in my life? Would your kingdom come in my my area of influence? And everything that you give me today, Lord, would your kingdom come? Would your will be done? Not my will, not all the things that I want. Lord, I want what you want. And so, Lord, would you change my heart? Would you bring my will in alignment with yours? What What if we could just pray that way? I really think it would change us. I think it would form us. It would transform us. It would give us fresh perspective and fresh identity as we're launched out into our world every single day. That's the first question. What if we could just pray this way? And then the last question is this, is have you surrendered your kingdom for God's kingdom? Really? Have you? Have you had a moment? And for all of us, it's a constant decision to do this. That's why we're supposed to pray this prayer over and over again. Father, Lord, I'm going sac- to I'm I'm lay my will aside for your will. But have you, have you ever just seriously just had a moment with God where you said, God, I know I fail at this all the time, but here's what at the core of my heart, what I really, really want is I want your will to be done. I want your kingdom to flourish in my life. I want your kingdom to flourish in this world. And I am sorry for just making my kingdom be the thing that I'm just pursuing all the time. I'm tired of it. I'm exhausted from it. Father, I want to submit my life to your life. I'm going to trade my kingdom for your kingdom. Have you made made that decision? It's a decision that you got to make. Either way, you're going to have to make it. And I just wonder if tonight, just as we respond, maybe tonight you need to make that decision. Maybe it's just a surrender thing. You just gotta, you just gotta surrender your, your kingdom. You're tired of trying to get everybody, all of your subjects to march, march to your drum. 
It's exhausting to try to do that. You're tired of trying to bend God's will to yours. And maybe you just need to surrender that tonight. He sees it. He honors it. He, 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 know, he knows your whole story. And he knows you're not going to, he knows you're going to fail at it tomorrow. <laughs> and he knows you're going to fail at it like an hour from now. He just knows all that. But yet at the same time, he, he wants to just meet you in that space and say, yes, yeah, let my kingdom come. Let my will be done. Maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time. You've, you've uh, made that decision many times over and over again. But maybe tonight, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe you need to renew it tonight. Maybe you just need to say it again. Maybe you need to offer your heart to him again and surrender. Guys, this is what it's about. It's surrender. Sometimes we don't like to use this word, but you know, what it, you know what it is? It's called repentance. Repentance. Lord, your kingdom. Your kingdom, not mine. So I'm gonna pray in a second. And when I do, you know, we're just, we're just gonna sing. We're gonna just sing some songs. And um, I, I don't know uh, what you need to do. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, here's a couple of options. Is we have communion on either side of the stage here. Just... His body is just representative of this little cracker. His blood represents this, this, this juice. And it's this meal that Christians have come to over and over and over again. And it's just this beautiful picture. It's an outward sign of an inner, rea- inner reality. Maybe you just need to surrender. Maybe you need to take communion tonight. And when you take communion, you're taking that bread and you say, Lord, your body was broken for me. It's your kingdom, not mine. Lord, transform me, make me new. You take, that, you take that juice, Lord, your blood was poured out for me. You've given me new life. You've filled me with your spirit. So Lord, give me the strength and power to pursue your kingdom and not my own kingdom. Maybe that's how you need to respond tonight. Um, as we sing, maybe you need to get on your knees. I don't know. Is that weird? We're in church, guys. All right. It would be weird if you were at Taco Del Mar, but it's not weird when you're at church. Okay. Um, maybe you need to stand and raise your hands. Because you know, like when you raise your hands, what, what is that a sign of? Surrender. Surrender, Lord, I surrender to you. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, um, I don't know what you need to do, but I just believe that the Holy Spirit is with us. And so if he's prompting you to do something, just listen, listen to him. Do business with him. I ask him, a, a scary question to ask is, Lord, in what areas am I building my own kingdom? Will you just help me, help me knock it off? <laughs> will, you just, will you just hit me today with your truth? so that I can course correct, so that I can make your kingdom be primary in my life. Whatever you need to do, guys, I just, I'm gonna pray for us and uh, let's just sing and respond, okay? Father, um, we, um, we just pray these words. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so um, we just, in these moments, Lord, we just, it's like a holy kind of space where we're just bringing our hearts and you know everything about us. And, and yet the crazy thing is you're inviting us to be your sons and to be your daughters. You're literally, a, you want to adopt us into your kingdom where we, get, where we get new names, new identities, where we get new clothes, where we just get new purpose. Um, Lord, I pray that Lord, that would happen. Maybe, maybe a few of us here, that's never happened. And so tonight's the night. Tonight's the night where we just say, I am surrendering to the kingdom of God. But for many of us, Lord, we know that many of us have have already surrendered our lives to you, but we've also been holding on to lots of our own kingdom stuff. And we've been using prayer to kind of get you to to be about our kingdom. Lord, we just just don't wanna do that. We don't wanna ever play those games with you. Lord, would you help us? 
Would you just melt our hearts, curl our fingers back tonight, just as we worship you, as we give you access to our lives and to our hearts. Whatever, whatever you need to do in us tonight, Lord, we just want to give you the space to do it as we sing. In Jesus' name, amen.